welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Today's film I happened upon online. I uh, was reading an article on a favorite site of mine that deals with 80s nostalgia. And this guy likes to write about things like uh, old action figures and breakfast cereals. And uh, he was referencing a movie that I had never heard of, and it turned out Craig had never heard of either, called Intruder. And the more he talked about it, the more I got interested in it. It is a 1989 slasher film, and it turns out to have a considerable amount of people that we know and love involved in it. True. But the film itself seems to have passed into a bit of obscurity, maybe for good reason. So, Craig, uh, you'd never heard of this before either, right? No. No, I've never heard of it. And that's really, I don't know, it seems bizarre to me because I try to keep up on these things. But it was it was completely unknown to me before this. Yet, the director is uh, Scott Spiegel, and the writer is Lawrence Bender. Scott Spiegel um, has acted in a number of movies. He is a friend of Sam Raimi's. He's directed quite a few horror movies. He, he directed Hostile Part 3, let's put it mm-hmm. that way. Um, not a whole lot. Has a lot of acting credits uh, to his name. But Lawrence Bender is a pretty famous producer. Lawrence Bender has produced most of Quentin Tarantino's uh, stuff. Goodwill Hunting, From Dusk Till Dawn, um, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, you know, all the Kill Bill movies and all of these things. An Inconvenient Truth, he produced that. This was his very first producing job, and it, I don't think this skyrocketed him into anything, but I think yeah. it was a Reservoir Dogs with Quentin Tarantino that, that got him going along that run. But all of these people are basically friends of Sam Raimi. I mean, almost right. everybody involved in this movie in one way or another. In fact, Sam Raimi and his brother Ivan have roles in the film. It's another one of these productions. We even see a little bit of Bruce Campbell at the very end, which I wasn't expecting because I guess I didn't pay much attention to the credits, and I was really pleased to see him pop in there at the very end. Did you say Ivan? Isn't it Ted Raimi? You're right, Ted Raimi. (laughs) Ivan Raimi's a whole other guy. You're right. (laughs) Ted Raimi was Produce Joe. (laughs) Yeah, Produce Joe. Oh, my gosh. What a movie. Uh, This, you know... I'm really shocked that we hadn't heard of this movie before, quite honestly, because it really has, because of all the people involved, and it's a pretty standard slasher film. I mean, it's definitely well-filmed, and the acting is kind of here and kind of there, but the writing is just terrible, uh, and it does plot along a little bit. I don't know. I, you know, my feeling about this movie is I enjoyed it uh, a lot more than I suspect you did, Craig. Am I right about this? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because you said something. Um, you you told me not to look into it before I watched it, so I didn't. And and the reason that you said don't look into it too much is because the VHS box cover art and even the trailer apparently reveal who the killer is, and that's like the big mystery of the whole movie. <laughs> I have no idea what they were thinking with their marketing because it really spoils the whole thing if you see the box cover art or if you watch the trailer okay so i watched it and then i texted you (laughs) and said wow (laughs) there's a reason that we have never heard of this and then i started looking around online and it's got almost entirely really favorable reviews it does both from both critics and fans like i kept reading things like it's one of the last great slashers of the 80s and i i don't get it (laughs) i honestly don't get it either it doesn't work very well no i mean i i don't know i mean i guess the concept is kind of fun i mean it's It was originally titled The Night Crew, I think. Yeah, The Night Crew. Um, And that's what it's about. It's about this night crew of grocery store workers who work in a grocery store that is not a 24-hour grocery store. It closes at night, and they have to stay at night and, like, stock the shelves and stuff. And so once closing time comes, um, then people start getting hack and slashed. And now I read various accounts of this. One of the accounts I read said they filmed it in a functional grocery store and they filmed it after hours in this functional grocery store. The other 
account that I read is that it was an abandoned grocery store that they had to stock themselves and that they went through a company that specialized in damaged goods, uh, damaged food goods, and they bought all of these damaged goods and, and stocked the shelves and filmed it themselves. I don't know which of those is true. Did What What did you hear? Yeah, I kept hearing more about the about the stock the shelves with the um, expired goods than anything else. Well, anyway, the the grocery store itself is I mean, it's it's just kind of a fun setting. I think really only because it's so nostalgic. Like all of the yeah, products yeah. on the shelves are legit products that you're familiar with seeing on your grocery store shelves. And yeah. um, because it was, you know, the 80s, you know, I remember the Frosted Flakes box from the 80s. You know, like, yeah. So it, it was kind of fun to see all these old products from my childhood and, yeah. and that part of it was cool but as dumb as it sounds that was a bit of a joy in the movie like i remember I seeing like obscure cereals in the background like i don't know why but it seems like the most shots we get of products happen to be in the cereal aisle and i saw one called ice cream cone cereal and a few others yeah. i distinctly remember getting you know it was really kind of yeah. cool <laughs> yeah and and so that part of it is fun but then really once the store closes, okay, it's I don't know. I mean, I can talk about the characters and we will or whatever. But really, what it comes down to is the grocery store closes for the night. Um, the co-owners bring all the crew together and say, "Well, Bill and I, well, we've agreed to sell the store to the city, and your jobs will end about the first of next month. However, uh, however, look, Bill and I want you all to know uh, we appreciate." Uh, the years that you've been loyal oh, to man. us, and you'll find a nice bonus check from us. Right. Don't a little token of our appreciation. Right. And if any of you kids need any kind of a recommendation, you know we'll give you the best, best one in the world. Right. But we need you here tonight to uh, go around and mark down all the stuff 50% in, to prepare for closing. And then that happens, and then I guess the main character, her name is Jen. She's played by Elizabeth Cox, who... I don't really recognize. Apparently, she was in Night of the Creeps, which we've watched, mm-hmm. but I didn't recognize her from that. Her ex-boyfriend, Craig, shows up, and he's, you know, this typical 80s bad boy, you know, looks like he would ride a motorcycle. <laughs> black you know, leather you know, jacket. <laughs> black leather jacket, kind of spiky hair, five o'clock shadow, blue jeans. He shows up, and he's menacing. Craig, I'm sorry about what happened. I really am. But as far as you and I are concerned, it's over, and it's been over for a year now. Shh. Now listen to me. I've kept it alive for a long time. Well, I haven't. And if you can't see why my telling you is not going to make any difference... Jennifer... Please, Craig! Now, I have to get back to work. You owe me $1.35 for the cigarette. You owe me an explanation! Craig, you're not listening to me! Listen, Jennifer, I believe... You're hurting me! He smacks her around a little bit, which leads to this big fight. You know, like all of the guys in the grocery store like come to her aid and fight this guy, and <laughs> uh, and then he and then he runs out. But then he just kind of keeps lurking. Like you just keep seeing him like lurking in windows and lurking in aisles and watching them and stuff. And then people start getting killed, and that's it. It's just one after another. All the rest of these people in the grocery store getting killed in ways that I feel like they thought were creative and imaginative, but I just found them to be pretty ho-hum, and, you know, it's just some dark figure in a shadow with a really frickin' big knife (laughs) 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 that just kind of, you know, people, people, they'll hear something like, hey, what's that? And they'll go looking around, they'll be like, oh, quit messing around with me, Joe the Produce guy, and then they'll get stabbed. (laughs) (laughs) And then they're dead. (laughs) If I were to wager a guess, I would imagine that the genesis of this movie went as follows. Huh. I bet a grocery store would be an interesting place to have a slasher movie. I (laughs) wonder what are all the different perils in a grocery store that we could possibly kill somebody with. Somebody made a (laughs) list, and then they just like laid out a bunch of pages. (laughs) And they said, okay, the first one will be this one, the second one will be this one, the third one will be this one. Let's see, uh, there's a meat department, okay, so we could do a couple scenes in there, so there's like a scroll saw meat machine that we can do, right? Uh, there'll be a meat slicer, 
Um, let's see. Somebody will be cutting produce. There's a knife involved. We'll do that. We'll cut them there. There'll be meat hooks around somewhere. Right. And then, and then even one of my favorite kills, well, I don't know if it's my favorite, but one of the kills I thought was most interesting was the owner upstairs in the office who has one of those spikes that you put receipts on. And uh-huh. he gets, you know, his head, eye impaled on that, which I sort of feel like is an everyday peril. Like, those spikes were just a bad idea from the beginning. And yeah. I don't know why <laughs> that, that those even are allowed to exist in offices. <laughs> it's funny to me because, for me, that the most tense scene in the movie was when that guy was, like, filling out receipts and he kept slapping them down on that <laughs> spike. And I was like, you're going to stab your hand. Be careful. Be careful, dude. Be careful. <laughs> that, that was the most tense scene of the movie for me i was shocked that we didn't get broken bottles you know we there were broken bottles but nobody actually got stabbed with a broken bottle that was a little disappointing but you know you get dismembered body parts in the lobster tank and, <laughs> um, it, it it tries a little too hard one nice thing about it and we watched the uncut version the guy who did the special effects for this is greg nicotero and Greg Nicotero is just the, one of the go-to guys, kind of along with Savini, for basically special makeup effects. And right now, he's the primary guy leading all of the effects and makeup for the Walking Dead series. So this is one of his earlier efforts. And I would say that it's really good work, except the camera lingers a little too long and a little too close and a little too clear on everything. So what you get is very nicely made but obvious prosthetics. Yeah. Like when the heads get smashed, they're a little rubbery. But there is a lot of blood. I mean, if you if you want to see gore and you want to see these gore effects, I mean, they're done and they're done pretty well. And they're, they're certainly not done in a, what I would say, a cheap way. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that the effects are pretty good. But that's, you know, that's another thing. Like the... The reviews kept talking about, oh, if you're a gore hound, you'll be totally satisfied. I just don't remember it being that particularly gory. No, I mean, there were certain there were certain things. Um, and again, this is in praise of the special effects, like um, Jen's love interest. I don't remember what his name was. The nice guy. Um, he gets his head sawed through in like the meat slicer or whatever and so then when you see him again his head is kind of like half connected half disconnected and it's askew like at Mm -hmm. his jaw um and it looks good it looks cool i liked it but um i don't it just seemed like so much i don't know and maybe it was because they were keeping the killer in the shadows so much it just seemed like everything was kind of happening in the dark and I didn't find it that gory. I swear, what I, the, as I was watching it the whole time, I was thinking this would be a, a great movie for USA Up All Night. You know, this yes. is, ex- except for there are no boobs in it, mm-hmm. at, which is, was like a requirement for USA Up All Night. Yeah, but for sure. Beyond that, it really, that's what it felt like to me. Or even, and this may be going a little far, it may not be that bad, but like Mystery Science Theater, I feel like those guys would have a blast with yeah. this movie. Um, well, it was Shades of Shop Chopping Mall in a way, and maybe that was just the setting, but it, it kind of felt similarly silly. I, I think you have a problem here. The, the uh, On its face, if you're just sitting around a table and you're thinking, oh yeah, let's do it in a supermarket, it sounds cool. You know, you got these aisles, people can hide in, you have these areas like the meat processing room or whatever, and maybe the office up there. But when you get right down to it, it's not a very big place. No. And it's also a very quiet place. And for some odd reason, they they, they work in the dark. <laughs> there's, mm-hmm. there's no good reason. I mean, there are a lot of problems with this. And maybe because, especially for me, I actually worked in a supermarket. One of my very first jobs was in high school was, was I was the... A sacker. Boy, there's a job that they don't have anymore. I was a sacker at a, at a supermarket. But I, you know, it was a small one, just just about this size. And we had a little meat processing room and, and all that with the cutters. And I had to clean those. And then we had a back room, of course, where we broke down boxes. And we had another room where we did cut produce. I mean, there were all those things. But it's not huge. You know, it's not that big. Yeah. And you could just have a conversation in one corner of the store and if it's nighttime and there are only a few employees in there, you can still hear it in the meat room. Right. And that's ultimately, 
that's one of the big problems with this movie that just kind of makes it a bit of a groaner, and that is that all of these crazy things are happening in all of these little areas of this rather small supermarket, presumably without w- without people coming in contact with each other that often, without anybody hearing it. It's just pretty silly. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Like, how are people not hearing these murders going on all around because we're not talking about like a Walmart super center. We're talking about like a small town 80s grocery store, which in its entirety is maybe the size of a football field. Yeah. Maybe. It's maybe, maybe not even that big. I think I counted like 12 or 13 aisles. Right. And I think that, I don't know, you know, I'm not a cinematographer. I don't, I'm just talking out of my butt. But like, it seemed to me that they were doing a lot of shooting from up high mm-hmm. which just made it look even smaller yeah. <laughs> because you because you could see the entirety of the whole store you know like yeah there's aisles but it's not like they're floor to ceiling you know yeah. like <laughs> it's yeah. just a big op- it's just a big open room really <laughs> and um you know even the part that i talked about you know after craig smacks jen up a little bit and they fight then like he goes off running and then they're like oh well now we have to search for him and they all go like creeping slowly through the aisle <laughs> searching for him like where do you think he's going to be hiding like <laughs> there's only like three places and if it's not in this giant room you could like you could literally just start at aisle 1 and just run down to aisle 12 and see, you know like <laughs> he he'd have to be in there somewhere and there's no need to creep around my god you could stand at yeah. the end of the aisle and look down it and then move to the next aisle you don't have to slowly walk through each aisle looking left and right you're just going to see boxes of food Right. Ass, you practically scared me to death. What? I'm sorry. Hey, what what happened? Did you see him? Did you see him? No, it's just Tim scaring me. You are such a dick, Tim. Jack, no, it's so typical of you, Tim. Quit screwing around. Damn it, this is serious business. No, I think I think I know where Craig might be hiding. Where? The attic. The attic. The attic. Shut up. Up there where I caught you guys smoking that wacky tobacco? Oh, come on, bub. Let's check it out. Me? Yeah, you. Come on, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) And there are silly things, too, like um, toward the end, when she is running from the real killer, when our final girl, Jen, is, they have some interaction in one aisle, and she escapes him, and she runs like two aisles down, and then she's pulled into the aisle by another character who then starts a conversation with her as they slowly walk down the aisle. Like, the guy you just ran from is two aisles away. Right. You know? Like, (laughs) was he just sitting on the floor for a while, catching his breath before he decided to come back after her? (laughs) They have this, like, five-minute conversation two aisles away. And and, and a conversation the guy could hear, you know? It's so dumb. And so there are these things you just have to kind of go with, I think, if you're going to watch this film. But it's hard to get over. And I think the the fact that they filmed it in a actual grocery store, like I feel like they tried really hard to take advantage of the things that were available to them. Like they would have characters like ride in like the produce elevator, or mm-hmm. I don't, you know, the the box elevator or whatever it is. Or they would have people come up and down the like conveyor belts that you would ship the meat up and down on or whatever and like so they tried to make use of these set pieces that were at their disposal but ultimately it didn't really go anywhere like (laughs) there were there were no like amazing cool kills in any of those locales i mean yeah some people got killed in those places and there were some neat jump scares with like the elevator every once in a while or something but um, they're just, I don't know, like you said, it's like, well, maybe it would be a neat idea to do this in a grocery store. And then ultimately, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> like when you, when you talk about chopping mall, you know, a mall is a much better it's big. set because you've got all kinds of opportunities to go into different stores. And like, it's a big place where people could legitimately hide and run and, and the grocery store just... It just doesn't offer that. (laughs) And while we're ragging on it, I also had to take a little beef with... I I, I really wonder what these people's jobs are. Because they closed this place and then they do work there, what, for several hours? Right. This just doesn't seem like any grocery store I've 
well, certainly not the one I worked at. You would close the place, and then we would spend about an hour mopping it. It's basically mopping it and cleaning the meat room while the cashiers, yeah. you know, cashed out the drawers and the customer service guy checked everything. And then we were out of there. And it was right. just, I mean, it's, it's like three or four people. And this, this seems to require like 10 people to hang out, including the, the owner. <laughs> yeah. The owners, they're really, they're going to stick around way, pat, way, way into the night after the stores closed every day to do paperwork? No, they do that. Right. They do all this stuff during the day. And they certainly turn on all the lights when they do it. <laughs> yeah. Just because right. the store is closed. If you're stocking shelves, you don't do it in the dark. <laughs> Well, and that was the other thing, you know, just from a practical perspective, but also in terms of movie making, there were too many of them. There were like, I don't even know how many people were there, like eight of them or something in this small grocery store. And there's the two like front checker girls. And it seems like their job is to like wipe down the registers. Like how long does that take? (laughs) And then... You know, I, I, you know, there are some people restocking shelves. Fine, I get that. They, they, they've got the premise that they have to mark everything down. So we get lots of shots of them using like the sticker gun to mark down products or whatever. That was classic. But it just seemed like, you know, there were so many of them there, and a lot of the time it just seemed like they were mostly kind of just hanging out. Yeah. And um, and, and eating and drinking the the product. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, now I I would only imagine that that's legit. Like surely <laughs> I didn't work at a grocery store, but I did work in fast food and I sh- am sure that I ate thousands of dollars of free <laughs> food. <laughs> it's a little different in a grocery store. You're not you're not like like I, I just had to laugh cuz the guy's wandering. It was it was toward the beginning of the movie and one of the characters was creeping down the aisle like we were saying. And then he just kind of stops. He looks around. He's like, I'm going to take a break. And he reaches in and like opens up a package of Little Debbie's and starts eating snack cakes. <laughs> <laughs> and then puts the package back. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was supposed to be funny. Uh, but no, you know, and the people stocking the beer do not just sit in the back and drink four, you know, four or five cans of beer while they're on their break. It just doesn't right. work that way. It's kind of dumb. Uh, I don't know. You know, like you said, the acting isn't terrible. As far as acting is concerned, the biggest failure, and not because she's terrible, but just because she's not really special in any way, is the main girl, Jen, yeah. you know, Elizabeth Cox. With the final girl, you know, you want her to be somebody that you're rooting for. And it's not like I wanted this girl to die. It's not like she was that annoying, but she was just kind of, you know, like, yeah, stupid. Okay, Jen, whatever. Like, <laughs> And she's all, she's all conflicted about this abusive boyfriend and like, okay. Blah, blah. Yeah. The other, the other actors... I actually really kind of enjoyed. Um, the only other girl in the movie is one of the front checker girls, and her name is Linda. She was played by Renee Estevez, who is, you know, Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez's little sister, which I didn't know. Fun bit of trivia there. And uh, she also played Betty Finn in Heathers, and Heathers is one of my absolute favorite movies uh, from the 80s. And and she does a good job. She's endearing. I yeah. wish that she would have been the final girl, but instead, she's the first to, to get die. killed. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Raimi brothers... Are funny. Yeah, they're funny guys. They're kind of they're kind of goofy looking. Um, I mean, they're not like hideously ugly or anything, but they look like you know average Joe guys that you would work at the grocery store with, and they're funny. Um, so I, I enjoyed them. Everybody else was just you know kind of bland, generic yes. characters. Well, Craig used to be really quite cool. Yeah. I don't know why he went nuts. I I figure it's because his old man died. That must have really freaked him out. After that, he started acting really weird. Weird? Yeah, he started stealing money from me. And then he needed more money to buy drugs. I mean, like, very serious drugs. He, He was dealing them, and then he became addicted. He started treating Jennifer like shit. He and I got into it one night, and... I swear to God, if my brother hadn't hit him in the head repeatedly with a blender, he would have killed me. A blender? Yeah, a, a Hamilton Beach blender. 
aside from the Raimi brothers, the other guys, I really couldn't even distinguish between them. Like no. I didn't, I couldn't like, either. I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure who was who. Like there was the one nice guy who Jen makes out with for a while, and there was a really weird part. And <laughs> maybe my mind, maybe my mind just goes to the gutter. What was the the cute guy's name? Um, uh, was Dave. Dave was the nice guy who likes Jen. Um, there's one point where he's like comforting her, you know, everything's going to be okay. You don't have to worry about your scummy boyfriend or whatever. And she's like, but aren't you still dating so-and-so? And he's like, no. And I feel like they decide to have a date and then they meet like five minutes later and they start making out like on the conveyor belt, like at the <laughs> front of the store. But while they're making out, yes. I don't remember who this was, but one of the guys from the back is like looking at them through the milk cooler. Yes. And was he jerking off back there? <laughs> I, I thought Cause the, it looked like it for a second. I thought the same thing. I thought absolutely <laughs> the same thing. But then he comes out from behind there at some point. Right. And he's standing at the end of the aisle, like peeking around it, like he's watching them again, kind of like, He's getting off on it or something? Like, yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't know. They're, it was they're, weird. They're they're just they're just fooling around on the yeah. It was pretty dumb. <laughs> oh my god. It well, it was just it, and that's the thing. It was just an excuse to get him out, so then we could have a POV of the killer from where he just was, you know. Right. And that uh, we'd get a lot of these POV killer shots in here, and sometimes there's heavy breathing behind them. And that, of course, is to disguise who the killer is. Because first it sets it up that it's going to be Craig, this jerk. And the minute that you see this guy is super jerky and they have to fight him off and and send him away and call the police, you know it's not going to be him. Well, right, but that's the thing. They play it so heavy-handed, like... It, like he's uh he's constantly lurking around like where you know behind people and they're just doing their thing and he's just very creepily standing behind them and watching or you know Jen will be doing something like I feel like at one point she's in the bathroom and like you can just kind of see over her shoulder that he's like peering in the window at her in the bathroom and so yeah I mean it's obvious it's clearly not going to be him yeah um, that would be way too obvious so then and the other thing. I say this sarcastically, but my favorite thing about the movie was the music. It was the most dramatic music I've ever heard in my life. Like, it was literally, like, every time they would pan to, you know, Craig, like, creepily hanging out in the background, and be like, dun, dun, dun! Like, <laughs> That's right. Violins and everything. I mean, it was pretty... It's not, and it's not like a, like a synth score. You know, like uh, like you would expect in a movie like this, but it's full on musical instruments, violins, and things. Actually, it it did remind me a little bit of the same uh, style of music that the original Evil Dead movie had. It it, it was very very dramatic. Like it it, it rem- I don't know. It fe- it felt like you know almost like the music from a silent movie or something. Like mm. we have to really really establish mood here. <laughs> this is the scary part. <laughs> <laughs> And the other thing is the direct, uh, the cinematography. I feel like this director is trying really, really hard to the point where it's obvious after a while that he's trying to get creative shots in. Yeah. I appreciated that about the movie, but at some point, sometimes it's, it's a little bit like the music too. It's just a little too heavy, a little too heavy handled, a little too obvious. I mean, I'm thinking specifically about um, a moment. I mean, there's a moment where she calls the police. And we get a shot from, like, what's, I guess, the inside of the rotary phone. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you can see the holes in the dial, and that's what we're looking out through. I mean, some of this is actually pretty clever. Like, uh, when she's sweeping the floor, we get a, a nice transition where... It's like a literal sweep, like a literal wipe, where we're the floor looking up at her sweeping for a little bit, and there's stuff on us, you know, that she's sweeping away. And then when it moves to the next scene, she sweeps that away, and that sweeps the the shot aside. I mean, all of these things individually are pretty clever and really cool, but when you pile so many of them together in the movie, it draws so much attention to itself that it kind of, I don't know, it kind of works against it. It's It's... 
it just feels like they're he's like the director is really trying too hard. You know what I mean? Yeah, in, I, in unnecessary yeah. ways. I, I get what you're saying. Um, that ultimately it just doesn't work that well. But I, I appreciated the fact that the director was was attempting something with style. You know, yeah. like it would have been easy to just not do those things and you know keep everything very straightforward. It, it felt like he was trying to kind of, you know, leave an artistic mark on it a little bit. And the director, um, Spiegel, he was high school buddies with uh, the Raimi brothers, right? Yep. And I think that he – didn't he work with them? Like, did he co-write Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2, something like that? Evil Dead 2, he wrote it, yes, just before this movie. I see a little bit of Raimi's early style in – this guy's style the odd perspective shots mm-hmm. um especially you know in evil dead and evil dead 2 um where you would just kind of get these odd perspective shots and like this this guy you know would shoot things like there was one scene i think in the boss's office that was shot almost entirely through a glass bottle now what was the purpose of that i don't know but it looked kind of neat at least it was different. I think the purpose of that was just to shield the identity of the killer. Ah, okay. I mean, it wasn't... I'm not saying it. Th- those things weren't appreciated and weren't so good. I'm just saying that somehow it just felt a little more organic in the Evil Dead movies. And maybe yeah. that's... Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And this, it just felt like um, it, it was the only way he could spice up some rather dull... What would have otherwise been dull spots. And yeah, who can fault him for that? You know, really. As it just there's not a consistency or um, it just doesn't work as well in this film I think. Well, and with this was this his first movie? Yeah, the director. Yeah, I mean, we should. I mean, we got we got to cut the guy a little bit of slack. I mean, it, for for a first effort, it's not it's not terrible. Yeah. One of my notes is <laughs> like, why is there an eyeball in the olives? Yeah. <laughs> 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 just this random thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the beginning, when they have their fight scene, that punches and things. The fight scene was a little was a little not so good. You know, it's just like the staging of things in the supermarket. It felt like they just had a limited amount of space and limited ability to really do things, and so it kind of cramped their style. And so, even the fight scenes seem overly staged and not terribly realistic. Here is the Craig, all right? It's the first bit where he and Jennifer are having their altercation. It starts to get a little too physical with her, and she yells, and suddenly, previously there was nobody here, and they've been loud, and they've been, you know, arguing, and he's been forcing himself on her, and she's been pushing him away, while while her girlfriend is just sort of standing over uh, in the other uh, cashier's place going, are, is everything okay? Are you sure everything's okay? And then suddenly, you know, six people d- suddenly come out of nowhere and descend on them for this fight scene. They, As you said, he runs off and they have to creep through and find him. At one point, they do end up finding him and they drag him to the front and we get fantastic lines like, uh, You're going to have more than a deal with the police you're going to deal with me. Understand? And you better hope that the cops get you before I You've already got him. <laughs> <laughs> He's right there in your hands. I mean, <laughs> what kind of a threat is that? The writing in in this movie could have um could have used a, some polish. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. When yeah. people did talk, and it wasn't that often, it was really pretty silly. It was. I mean, and the whole thing, you know, like we said, how are these six or seven people going to get murdered in this small? confined space without anybody hearing and nobody ever does nobody ever hears anybody else getting Mm -hmm. killed every time it's time for somebody new to get killed like i said it's like oh they hear something or they see something and they kind of creep off somewhere and then the killer pops out and and kills them and then we get to the end when everybody else is dead except jennifer uh at least we think and and then there's just a whole montage where she runs around the whole store finding them all like <laughs> like it's it's like i don't know a minute and a half that she just runs around ah there's another one ah there's another one <laughs> and uh she gets up i feel like 
maybe she gets back to the front of the store and Craig is there and does she she thinks he's the killer, right? Yeah. Or something. So she I don't she remember. swings around, she's got a hook in her hand and uh she swings around and, and gets him with the hook, which which somehow knocks him out. I guess I don't know why. We're I think we're supposed to think that he he was killed by her. Um, yeah, she hooks him it in the shoulder. It looked to me like it looked to me like the hook went into his neck. I thought that he was dead, but then he pops up in a few minutes and he's fine. Yeah, there's a lot so of that who too. Knows. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, the assistant manager uh, Bill shows back up and he's like, "Oh, don't worry, everything's fine." Um, Craig, you know, I found Craig in the back. He was peering in at you at the bathroom window which is true and he says and he knocked me out and i've been unconscious back there the whole time but it's okay and he gives her a hug and then he goes to call the police and then she sees like blood on her clothes or on her hands or something and then it the camera cuts back to him and he's on the phone but his hands are all bloody and he he sees her looking and he looks and he's like oh guess you caught me (laughs) and she's like why yeah i just i I just love his 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 explanation danny was always a big boss he always called the shots on every business deal till now i couldn't let that son of a bitch take this store away from me stores my whole life i had to kill him the night crew had nothing to do with it I couldn't let anybody stop me. I guess I just got a little carried away. You're sick! (laughs) Don't you see? I'm just crazy about this store! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he couldn't let it be sold off, so he had to kill the boss. So I killed him, and then I guess I just got a little carried away and killed everybody else, too. <laughs> like, that's his ex- explanation. I just got a little carried away. <laughs> yeah, it's really dumb. And this is like, so at this point, we're like 30 minutes away from the end. Yeah, there was still so much left. I, I was know. like, wait, what? I really, I, ch- I checked the time because, I mean, it felt like a long movie up to that point. It did. It, and, and I checked the time. I was like, oh, my gosh, you're kidding me. Um, well, first of all, I thought that, I, I thought, I saw Phil coming a mile away. He was, there was nobody else with any motivation whatsoever. Uh, and he made such a huge deal at the beginning about, hey, now, I didn't really want to be the seller. And, you know, I, I tried to get Danny not to sell it. Uh, but the thing is, he owns 51% and I own 49 So there's nothing I could do. And he's right. constantly apologizing throughout the movie for it. So I thought, well, shoot, if anybody's going to be running around with some beef, it's got to be him. Nobody else. That's the thing. There's no reason to suspect anyone else. No. At all. And we already know Craig's I mean, dead. No. And, unless you're going to, right, unless you're going to fall for that major Craig red herring, which is so obvious. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, I didn't, I didn't know who it was going to be. I kind of forgot about Bill. I kind of, because he does get knocked out, I guess, at least for a second behind the, the dumpster. Beginning. Yeah. And, and I just kind of forgot about him. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's how memorable these characters are. Now, obviously when he showed back up, I'm like, oh, well, obviously, but um, I don't know. I kind of half expected it to be, and and maybe I would have liked it better if it had just been some rando, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, you know, some disgruntled old lady who didn't get her double coupons or something. I don't know. <laughs> 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 but oh, no, man. it's Bill, and so then he chases her around the store for a long, long time. It just goes on for ages. She hides behind a popcorn display. I love that. She hides behind this popcorn display just so that and she keeps okay so Craig hits her in the very beginning of the movie and then she's got this recurring bloody nose like this girl must be a hemophiliac because her nose will not stop bleeding and when she's hiding behind this popcorn stand for some reason there's water on the ground on the floor and like 
her nose is bleeding enough that it's like dripping into the water and like spills out into the aisle so that the killer can see her. And then he just takes his huge, I mean, we're talking like a good 10 inch, 12 inch blade knife. He takes his huge knife and just starts hacking away at these giant bags of popcorn and popcorn (laughs) is flying and she just kind of slips out. Like, like, (laughs) Like he's busy hacking up the popcorn and she just kind of like okay i'll see you later (laughs) it's so convoluted but there was one nice thing about this there's a point at which she's okay so then this happens and it's like this big thing and then she runs two aisles over and everything's quiet again right so then she's you know creeping down the aisle and she's got her back against the aisle it's like just go to the door you know anyway she's she's got her back against i think this this re- another recurring gag through the whole thing is this box of laundry detergent that keeps getting popped off the shelf. And she picks it up and she puts it back. And then he reaches through from the other aisle and grabs her and starts to pull her through. And somehow she reaches down and she grabs a thing of wheat germ. And uh-huh. she smashes it over her head. And at that point I was thinking, wow... Craig, I think this is the second movie that we've reviewed on this podcast where Wheat Germ has a pretty significant role. <laughs> uh, oh my god, that's so funny! I thought the same thing. What was that other one? It was terrible. It was uh, the other one was um, Zombie the, Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew that Wheat Germ was a thing in the world of horror? Oh, it if, is. If I ever make a horror movie, I am going to put Wheat Germ in it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Mark my words. That's good. Well, so Craig hooks back up with her, and he's like, oh, it's okay. I'm going to help you. And they run around. There's there's some point where she does run to the front door. Um, I feel like Craig gets knocked out or killed again. No, he's not dead because he shows up again at the end. But they keep getting separated somehow, and she ends up at the front door, and the the like, the like bread delivery, <laughs> delivery guy shows guy. up, which also makes no sense. No, it's Why the morning. Why bread delivery... Is it the morning it's now? It's always the They've morning. Been there all night? No, I mean, it's supposed to be the morning. That's when the bread delivery guy normally comes. What, what are you going to deliver bread in, at late at night while it can sit I on know, the shelf and get stale? But that's what I'm saying. Like, seriously, like, they, they, worked, oh, like, they worked their shift and worked at the grocery store, and then they stayed all night? Like, <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense. And so, like, the bread delivery guy comes up to the door, and she's beating on it. I don't know why the front door is locked and she can't get out. Like, I'm pretty sure that you can open those things from the inside. Um, But the bread delivery guy gets stabbed up against the door. That was the other thing. Like, you kept – you said, just run for the door. Like, it's not even just run for the door. I mean, this is a grocery store. Like, yeah, there are going to be huge doors at the front. Okay, let's – say for a second that maybe somehow he managed to lock those whatever grocery stores have doors all over the place like (laughs) yes like in the in the back there would be like a freaking loading dock like surely there would be some way to get out of this building but and then i guess eventually they do she and craig get out they go out the bathroom window craig's like i got in through the bathroom window and that's how we're getting out of here yeah um so they do, and they go out the bathroom window, but then they get confronted again by Bill, and there's more fighting, and <sighs> Craig just keeps – like I can't even remember what happens to him because I feel like he just keeps getting incapacitated, and then she's fighting Bill, Jen is, and – uh, somehow she like tries to run to her car and she's like fiddling with the keys and somehow I don't understand how but somehow he grabs her from underneath the car from the yeah. other side. Yeah. Why didn't he just run around to the side of the car? But apparently he crawled under the car so that he could grab her legs and pull her out to the other side. Yeah. And somehow, I again, I missed it. Like, I don't know if Bill dropped his knife or what, but somehow she gets a hold of the big knife, and when he pulls her out, um, she stabs him, and then there's more fighting. Like, she stabs him, and then she runs to the phone booth, and she... Let's, let's, let's get this point clear, though. She stabs him in the chest. He falls backwards with the knife in his chest, and against all laws of physics, as he hits the ground, the knife flies upward (laughs) into the air (laughs) and lands next to him. 
um, <laughs> like in some dramatic moment that made absolutely no sense. Uh, I couldn't figure that out for the life. It was so distracting. I couldn't get over that part. <laughs> God, I don't know. At this part, I must have just kind of been zoned out because I don't even really remember. She, I mean, she, she runs to the She's inside phone the booth. phone booth, yep. Yeah, and she's calling 911, and she gets 911, and and she tells them where she is, I think, and then Bill is still alive and starts attacking her from outside, and, like, he's, like, beating the phone booth and, like, breaking it, and, like, he tips it over, and then he ends up getting, what, like, a cleaver to the neck or something? I think a cleaver does, to does the head. Does Craig or, get him? Yeah, Craig gets him from behind with a cleaver to the neck, finally. Right, so then he falls into the phone booth, and Jen gets out, and the cops arrive, and one of the cops is Sam Raimi. I feel like the other cop is the director of the movie, isn't it? Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's either the right. director or the writer. Anyway, um, they the show director. up, and it's funny. Bruce uh, Bruce Campbell uh, looks so young and handsome. <laughs> he, really <does. laughs> he was such a young, handsome guy back in those days. He's I still I I still love Bruce Campbell. He's freaking hilarious. He's such a funny, funny, funny guy. But he's not the. Uh, the, the heart young throb lad. he once was, <laughs> <laughs> but they show up and like actually this is probably fairly realistic. Like the cops immediately grab these because they see this dead guy in the phone booth, so they grab them. The, the they grab Jen and Craig, and one of the cops goes in and he comes back out and he's like, "Oh, it's a bloodbath in there. There's bodies all over." So they think Jen and Craig did it, and they're like, "No." We didn't do it. And then Bill wakes up in the phone booth just to say, they did it. (laughs) So the cops, so the cops handcuff both of them and they're like arguing or whatever. And then the last shot is like, it closes up on Bill's face and he's got his eyes closed again. And then they pop open and then it cuts to Jen's face and she just screams and then it cuts to black which was kind of funny. I read that initially the intention for this final shot was for the camera somehow to zoom in on her screaming face, travel down her throat to see her heart, which would at that point stop beating. And that would be the end of the movie, (laughs) which sounds, which sounds very ambitious, but had they been able to pull it off, might've been kind of cool. But, uh, but instead she just, opens up and and screams out of nowhere and uh that's yeah. the end god what a what a movie i tell yeah, you uh, you know to be honest this is the kind of movie that i think would have been fun uh to see in a group of people it's it's a fun movie to make fun of because there are a lot of things in this movie to make fun of the absurdity of it is really funny and the kills are you know, I mean, you said they're not gory. I guess maybe there's just not a lot of blood splattering, but you sure get a lot of close-ups on heads getting smashed. True. Heads getting cut in, in half. There is one part where one of them gets stabbed. I can't remember who it is. It's uh, gets stabbed in the meat locker, and it seems like there's a geyser of blood that comes out of his chest. But, you know, I mean, th- so there's that aspect to it as well. And it is, it's got the creativity part. You know, it has the these really interesting camera angles. And the acting is fair to middling, but it just doesn't work as a cohesive whole, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's really hard to even take it seriously, even as a comedy, you know? It's it's do- it's not really played for comedy. I mean, there are moments. Well, there are, there are comedic there moments. There are some funny parts. Like, there's one guy in the back. I don't even know who he is. I think his name is Bub or something, and he's kind of like this... I'm, and again, I had a really hard time distinguishing them from one another, so I may have him mixed up. But there's this guy, this really doofy guy that was always just in the back by himself, and he had these headphones on, and every time you saw him, you could hear what he was listening to, and it was the same eight beats of some song every <laughs> single time. And it sounded like the that internet like um, 
keyboard cat. It was like, like it was just, (laughs) it was like the silliest, goofiest. I don't know if they were going for like electronica or what, but it was like the same two or three measures of the same song over and over and over again until he gets killed. And the way that he gets killed is he gets a meat cleaver through the top of his head, through his headphones, and then it slows down. So it's like, <laughs> Every time that guy came on and it was that same corny music, I that made me laugh. So there was there was some humor. <laughs> there was. There was for sure. It it wasn't like Evil Dead where you know where there's so no. much humor. It's it's obviously it just gets over the top and it gets funny. These are just situations that are really not tenable and there's nothing really funny about that. It just seems like bad movie making. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why it's so highly rated. I really don't. <laughs> I don't <laughs> <My> either. <laughs> it's hard to believe. Yeah, I, I well, it, like, when it said, you know, those reviews that I read, they're like one of the last great slasher movies of the 80s. I oh. just, I don't get it. Like, and I, I suppose if I were looking at something like Friday the 13th, with completely fresh eyes. Like, if I knew nothing about it, if I knew nothing about the franchise, and I just looked at that movie in 2018, maybe I would feel similarly. You know, there are similar things about it. You know, like, uh, at the end of Friday the 13th, there's that whole montage where Alice runs around and finds all the dead people. You know, it's 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 yeah. kind of the same thing in this movie. She run, you know, we get all everybody dies, we get to the end of the movie, the heroine runs around and screams when she finds all the dead people. There are certainly similarities. It certainly follows a lot of the same rules and tropes um of other slashers. I just didn't find it to be particularly interesting. I I don't know. I just yeah. I I I you know, sorry folks out there if you're a fan of this movie, if you are, Come on our Facebook page and talk to us about it. Explain it. Convince me. To us. Convince me. Yeah, convince me that this movie is better than I think it is. And I think that you're right. If you sat down and watched this with a bunch of friends and the beer was flowing and you were talking through most of it and having a good time, (laughs) then yeah, like you could just kind of tune in for when somebody's getting their head sawed off in the meat slicer and you could laugh about that and that would be fun. But if you just sit down by yourself sober and try to watch this, it's it's a chore, frankly. (laughs) It really is, especially when you get an hour in, the killer is revealed and you realize there's still half an hour left to go. Yes. I think what the best we can say about this movie is because it's 1989, it is one of the last slasher movies of the 80s. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not the last best, but certainly one of the last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with that, I will agree. <laughs> well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. You can find us on Google Play iTunes, everywhere you can find your favorite podcasts. We also have that Facebook page. Please get on there and convince us why this movie is great. You can also find our website, twoguys.red40net.com, where we post every Thursday a written review along with our regular podcasts and all of our back episodes. Until next week, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys and a Chainsaw. (laughs) 